Thanks, Pastor Brad. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome those who are online. Again, we are one church. Some of us are physically in the same building. Some of us are watching online, but we are all part of one church together. So those who are in the building, on the count of three, you can give your greeting to those who are online. One, two, three. Mostly hello, uh, hi, how you doing? I also heard. So for those who are online, hello, hi, and how are you doing? So glad that you're with us. We're going to be continuing through our series that we've been doing in the summer on the Beatitudes, which are found in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible with you, open your Bible, whether that's you've got a written copy in front of you or your phone, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Today we're going to be talking about the topic of peace as we do that. So if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, just as we get going today, let's start with just a word of prayer to open our hearts to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have invited us. Some of us maybe came here and we don't think we were invited, we just brought ourselves. Some of us just randomly found this online and we don't think we were invited, we just found this. But God, you've invited us to hear from you. And so I pray today, people don't need to hear my words, God, they need to hear you speak. So I pray, Holy Spirit, for every person who's within hearing distance of this, would you open our hearts to receive the truth that you have for us, help us to be receptive and to be able to take it. And may it bring life to our souls, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, today we're going to be talking about the topic of peace. Now peace is something that we all desire. If you watch or any conversation that's going on, if you have watched any pageant, I have not watched a pageant, but I did watch Miss Congeniality 1 and 2 with my wife. So I know key to the phrase of what do you care about, world peace is always the correct answer. But peace for many of us always seems to be beyond our grasp. Whether it be to be freed from physical warfare, cultural persecution, our own personal anxieties. Now like me, perhaps this past week you were disheartened. So you see the depth and divisiveness and destruction in our own world. Maybe like me, you had to watch that video of people clinging on to the wheels of an airplane frantically trying to escape a country that's been taken over by the Taliban, where their lives are now at risk. Desperately trying to escape to a country like Canada, where we are blessed to live in a country where we're not victims of physical warfare like the Afghan people are. Many come here hoping to find sanctuary. Yet despite the promise of being inclusive and welcoming, our very own culture has often been marked by its own battlegrounds. Whether it's politics, gender, race, COVID, or a myriad of ideological differences amongst individuals, the headlines of much of our world is often marked with anger, war, and disdain. Our world is in desperate need of peace. Social media has only worked to inflame these ideological warfares. The platform for healthy dialogue and discourse has steadily been eroded. I'm not telling you anything new. This can lead one to feel like there are really only two options. 
join the fighting, or hide away. Yet it is directly to the reality of this broken world that we see a call and a promise from Jesus to those who are his followers, those who are part of his new kingdom. That brings us to our text this morning, found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. There are nearly 400 references to peace in the Bible, whether that be personal peace, peace with God, or peace amongst people, individuals, or countries with countries. What exactly is peace? We may have a variety of definitions we could throw out there this morning. But when the Bible speaks of peace, the Bible speaks of more than simply the absence of war. Think of it this way. You can be in a place with absolutely no warfare, yet you can have a lack of peace. For those of you who have ever gone to mourn in a cemetery, there may not be fighting. But it is not exactly a place of peace. Warren Wearsby states that in the Bible, peace is a positive force. It signifies the presence of all that is good and all that is wonderful. The Hebrew word shalom that is used and often translated as peace, has the meaning of peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. This Hebrew word shalom contains in it a desire for all of the goodness that God can give, a total well-being for mind, heart, and body. Peace, again, is a creative force, and a peacemaker is a person who releases this creative force for change in the world. It's important for us to truly understand peace and how we can be peacemakers, which is what we are called to do, to grasp where is the source of peace. Because there are many false paths that are put in front of you for where you can find peace whether it's just buying that new item to have in your home or that new car, or if that other person would just change their mind, or if I just found that special someone. Six times in the New Testament, we see that God himself is called the God of peace. In the Old Testament, the name for God, one of the names for God is Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Now, God is not peace merely for what he does, but God is peace for who he is. His very nature within the Godhead, which if you're new to church, if you're watching online or you're here this morning in person and this is new to you, we talk about the Godhead. God himself is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, but three persons within. And within God himself, there is perfect peace. God's very nature is And as an outflow of his very nature, God's thoughts and actions towards his creation are ones of, as the Bible teaches, of shalom. In the New Testament, we see Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. If you've been around church and you've heard the Christmas story, you remember when the angels came and they saw the shepherds and the declarations, they bring good tidings of great joy and on earth, Peace, goodwill for all men. 
Jesus. God is the source of peace. If your life is restless and filled with anxiety, there's truly only one place to find peace. And that is through Jesus Christ. Now, if you're listening, some of you in your own mind are already arguing with me and that's okay. Because you're going, well, what about God in the Bible? And let's talk specifically about in the Old Testament. Some of you go, what about the God of the Old Testament? The God of the Old Testament, by the way, is the same as the God in the New Testament. What about that God in the Old Testament who caused wars and destroyed peoples, burned entire cities, turned them to salt? What about that God? That doesn't sound like a peaceful God. To truly understand God and to understand his relationship and how he is the source of peace, we must have the full equation. How do we get a God of peace in a world with unrest? We first need to clarify that there is an enemy of peace. That enemy of peace is not the Taliban. It is not your sibling. It is not your school bully. It is not your mother-in-law. It is not your spouse. I have a great mother-in-law in case she's wondering and she's listening. My mother-in-law is great. It is not that person that irks you the wrong way and causes you distress in life. That is not the enemy of peace. See, when I was in school, I got picked on a lot and I had a, I had a bully in school named Phil. Phil beat me up. Phil spread rumors about me. Phil one time actually ate my art project, which you talk about an awkward experience is explaining you can't hand your art project in and I had to say because Phil ate it. But Phil was not the enemy of my peace, but it sure felt like he was. Some of you, you have people that you have labeled as being the enemy of peace, but they are not. The enemy of peace is sin. If you read through the Old Testament carefully, you will see a pattern with God. His first action towards us, towards his creation, is always one of shalom. It is always one of peace. So we go back to the book of Genesis and creation at the start. You're familiar with it. The Garden of Eden, that it was perfection. There was no death. There was no destruction because there was no sin. It was only when humanity chose to sin and joined the enemy of God that God had to go to war. The entry of sin into our world has disrupted the shalom of God that God originally intended for creation. And instead of the bonds of peace uniting us to God and to each other, sin has now formed a chasm between us and him and us and one another. Sin causes the war against the gospel of peace. James 4, 1 and 2 says this, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? James is actually writing to believers, people who are Christ followers. What's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you. You want and you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. What is causing these fights among you? Why does James have to ask that? It's because too often we are actually confused and we don't know our enemy. I think a few years ago, I, I, sh I shared this story, but when I was growing up, I used to go to Bible camp on Vancouver Island all the time. And one of our favorite games to play was capture the flag. 
Has anybody played Capture the Flag before? Yeah. We were pretty extreme in our Capture the Flag. If you're familiar with what the, the coast is like and what the island is like, it was a thick treed forest with a green, we had a, a, a logged out field in the middle and that was kind of the neutral territory. And otherwise you were running through thick forest with tons of raspberry, blackberry bushes, thistles all over the place. And we were extreme. Like at the end, everybody was bloody and gory. It was great. But here's the thing is oftentimes there were people that took it serious and people who took it less serious, specifically those who were interested in the opposite gender at camp. They found a girl or a guy that they took a liking to and they were infatuated with each other. I learned a great strategy. Instead of when I would run on the other team's side, which once you went, if you're not familiar, when you play capture the flag, when you cross the middle ground, if you're on the other team's side trying to capture, find their flag and bring it back, which is how you win, if you get tagged, you have to go to jail. You're out. But I would not run and, and act as if I was trying to hide from them. I would casually stroll up to them because I knew they weren't paying attention. They didn't know I wasn't on their team. Hey guys, how's it going? Have you, hey, have we moved the flag or is it in the same place? Oh yeah, it's still in the same place. We just got it back there. Great. That was my strategy. The enemy of God uses the very same strategy. And he oftentimes manipulates us to believe that anything but the enemy is the enemy. It's that person again that rubs you the wrong way, that cursed person that's caused you stress or anxiety. They are the enemy. But the Bible tells us very clearly that's not the case. Ephesians chapter six. And Paul writes this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There is not a human being, no however how evil they may appear, there's not a human being on earth that is the enemy. There are human beings on earth that are manipulated and being used and choosing to join the enemy. But they themselves are not the enemy because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers, the spiritual powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to know our enemy, church. And our enemy is sin. Sin in the Bible is presented three ways. When it talks about sin, it talks about the world, it talks about the flesh, and it talks about the devil. God designed us to be at peace, to be at shalom with him. But the enemy of peace, sin, came in and disrupted all of that. And this meant that we required a restore of peace. That's the good news of the gospel the work of Jesus on the cross, paying the penalty that was required to expulse sin so that once again, there could be shalom, peace, harmony, and wholeness between God and his people. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, not through our works, but through faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The war is now over and we are no longer at war with God. And because we are no longer at war with God, we are no longer at war within ourselves. As Philippians 4, 7 states, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's beyond our circumstances, it's not circumstantial, helps guide our hearts and minds. Having received peace with God and having experienced peace of God in ourselves, we are now able to step into the call of being peacemakers. So the, poor, the source of peace is God, the enemy of peace is sin, and the restorer of peace is Christ. The ministry of a peacekeeper 
is the Christian, the follower of Jesus. God is our example of being a peacemaker. A peacemaker works to bring shalom to the world around them. A peacemaker reveals the war that is truly going on in people between God and their sin and works by the power of God's spirit to help restore shalom to the world around them. A peacemaker does not get wrapped up in superficial wars of our day, but keeps an eye on what truly is important. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Look for areas of agreement and strive to live in peace as best as you can with others, not just with those of the church, but with everyone. Now to do this, we need a few things, a few caveats to explain this. First, making peace with others starts with us controlling our own anger and our own selfishness. If we are to look for points of agreement, it means we need to put aside those things. Romans 12, 19 to 21. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is an important attitude of the heart of a peacemaker. It is not just focused on winning an argument. They have a heart that is willing to even suffer pain and loss if it will lead to the winning of an enemy. This was the radical attitude of the early church. We are to be focused on the call to be ministers of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God and then reconciling to one another. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20 says this, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Christ brought reconciliation, which means right relationship, restored relationship between us and him. And now he calls us to be his ambassadors to the world to do the same thing. There is no division amongst humanity in Christ outside of those who are his and those who are not. When we get to heaven, when we get to paradise beyond this life, there will not be a separate line for race, for color, for medium household income, for beliefs on various ideological issues, for your favorite sports teams. Although, let's be honest, Euler fans, you're probably at the back of the line. It's not going to be according to who you voted for in the recent elections. There is no division. Those who are his and those who are not. So we need to put our selfish ideals and ideas to the side. A peacemaker also needs to remember that they are not a pushover or a pleaser. They are a peacemaker. And being a peacemaker does not mean being passive or being pushed over. Peace at the expense of honesty and humility will only actually lead to more war. 
less peace. Think of those who are in the military as we as Canadians send others to war. We have some in our congregation who are involved in that. In the military, a peacekeeper does not just go around trying to please. They don't go overseas and go, okay, what do you want? Oh, I'll do that then. Oh, you want this? Okay, I'll do that. If you try to please everyone, you will please no one. A peacemaker works aggressively to make peace. They focus on the greater good, not just the approval of others. A peacemaker can still offend people because they stand for truth and standing against the enemy's sin will lead to you having an enemy. Jesus, again, was referred to in the New Testament as the Prince of Peace. Yet three times we see just in the Gospel of John alone that Jesus, they said of him that he caused division amongst the people. Paul was labeled as a troublemaker. Some of us, by our very nature, are pleasers. We need to understand the truth that the gospel will be offensive to some. We are not called to please, we are called to make peace. And people may reject the peace we have to share. That rejection is not a sign of your failure. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, very quickly, I, I need to add this caveat. We need to differentiate between you being rejected for the gospel and you being rejected for being a jerk. There's a big difference. You need to keep your personal anger and preferences and ideas out. That's not being persecuted for your faith. That's being persecuted for being mean, for being selfish. We are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Remember what you are called to Focus on that because that will make you effective. Chasing other things and making that your priority will make you ineffective for being a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers do not avoid the battle. Instead, they transform the battle into a ministry of reconciliation. They do that by focusing on the truth, the real battle, and not getting distracted. So that brings us today, finally, as we close, to the promise of a peacekeeper, that they shall be called children of God. Three things really quickly that what does it mean to be children of God? What does that mean for you? What is the promise that you receive for being a peacemaker? First of all, children are like their parents. Now for some of you, maybe that's a good thing. Some of you, maybe that's a bad thing. But if you had a good parent, a parent that you respected, that you looked up to like I did. I remember when I was a kid and I would have people from our church say, man, you're so much like your dad. There was nothing that made me feel better inside because I idolized my dad. I looked up to my dad. I wanted to be like my dad. You become more like God when you act like him. Peacekeepers get to look more like their father. Secondly, children of parents also receive the inheritance of their parents. If you are a child of God, you get to receive the inheritance that is promised to children of God. Eternal life with him in paradise. And finally, number three, as a child, you get to gain access to the Father. Let's have a short video clip and then we'll close. A young soldier fighting for the Union Army in the American Civil War lost both his father and his brother in the fighting. 
He needed to return to his family's home and help his sister and elderly mother with the spring planting on their farm. And so he went to Washington, D.C. to ask the president for exemption from military service. When he arrived in Washington, he walked straight up to the doors of the White House and asked to speak directly with the president. A young official standing guard told him, you can't see the president. The president's far too busy to see you. Get back out there and fight like you're supposed to. So the young soldier left the White House, not knowing how he would break the bad news to his family. As he was sitting on a nearby park bench, a young boy came up to him and said, why are you so unhappy? What's wrong? The soldier looked at the boy and began to pour out his heart. He told the child that since his father and brother had been killed, he was the only man left in his family. He was desperately needed back at the farm and the only person who could make it possible was the president himself. The little boy said simply, come with me. Taking him by the hand, the boy led the soldier back around to the White House. They walked through the back door, past the guards, past the generals, past the high-ranking government officials until they got to the president's office. The little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just opened it and walked in. There, standing behind the desk, studying battle plans with the Secretary of State was President Abraham Lincoln. The president looked up and said, Oh, what can I do for you, Tad? The little boy replied, Dad, this man needs to talk to you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. You get to look like your father. You get the inheritance of your father. The most valuable thing that you could ever have, you get to have access to the father. Church, who are here with me, ask if you would stand. For those who are online, we're just going to pray together as we close, and then Pastor Brennan's going to just close us with some announcements. But perhaps some of us just need to be reminded of our call to be peacemakers. If you've never actually received the gift God has presented to us, that he has made peace between us and him, and he makes that possible so that we no longer have to serve the enemy of sin, you want to receive that, that's a free gift. The Bible tells us if we confess that Jesus is Lord and we invite him into our lives to forgive our sins, to forgive our wrongdoings and ask us to be united with him that he welcomes us in, offers us eternal life with him. And if you're here in person, you're online and you'd want to do that, you could do that today and I would love to do that. If you're watching online, I want you just to email me, joel at eaglemontchurch, J-O-E-L at eaglemontchurch.ca. I'd love the chance to be able to pray with you later today. For those who are here in person, I'm going to remain up here after a while. If you'd like someone to pray that with you, we'd love to help you on your first steps in your journey. But I want to lead all of us today. Because God has called us to be peacemakers. And there is a world that is ravaged in war. And there is a need for peacekeepers. Can we come back to that call in our lives? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you are the one who made peace. You are the source of peace. Thank you that you've offered to us. Perhaps we needed to be reminded of that today and we received that gift again. And we thank you for it. God, I pray that you could help us focus on the war that is on hand. God, that it is not people, it is not organizations 
that are our enemy. And where we have gotten distracted, can you bring us back to the focus? God, that there is sin that is rampant in our world and it is captured. Even the very people that are our enemy, the people that have caused us pain, we bring them to you today and we ask, God, would you free them from the captivity of sin, from the bondage that's in their life? We pray blessing over our enemies and we pray, God, can you use us to be those that are peacekeepers in our world? Help us to have eyes that look out beyond ourselves this week for opportunity where we can bring reconciliation to the world around us. Lord, where there seems to be some who only know how to dialogue in warfare, can you give us the words and the actions of a peacemaker? Can you help us from simply trying to serve our own pleaser-type mentalities for some of us that struggle with that? And learn how to stand for truth and stand for what is right so that we can see freedom brought in the lives of those around us. We pray. Use us effectively for your kingdom. Bless each one this week as we go out. I ask in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen.